impressive. Hello, <laughs> welcome to the uh, Vikings Territory Breakdown Podcast with myself, Joe Oberly. Impressive as hell. Uh, and even more impressive, I'm from Vikings Territory and PurplePTSC.com. But even more impressive is Mark Craig, NFL insider for the Star Tribune, StarTribune.com. We are here to break down that latest Vikings game across the pond against the Saints in London. Mark, uh, it was, uh, you know, the Vikings had another credible finish. They uh, uh, yeah. brought her down to the wire, got us, kept us all on our seat till the end. And unfortunately, not in a good way. I think they should have been done better in that game and, and beat the Saints more handily and score touchdowns rather than field goals. What the hell happened, Mark? What are your thoughts? <laughs> Well, they're, they're raising the bar for you. If, if they're three and one, they're number two in the NFC. They're one of eight teams with three or more more wins. And you're like, well, what's going on? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, this is the NFL. It's sloppy, especially when you got a new staff and you, you know, it's just a sloppy league. And it's whoever's the least sloppy tends to advance and move on sometimes. And wow, um, least sloppy. That's the threshold. Yeah. Bar. That's that's this league. I mean, that can be this league. I mean, if you look at, uh, uh, you know, Tom Brady, it's, it's, Tom Brady throws for almost 400 yards. It's beat by 10 because the Kansas City Chiefs just started to, decided to go old school and pound on them and run for 190 yards or whatever it was. So it's just you know, each week is its own thing. And, um, you know, it, great. I, nobody should be, uh, you know, selling, you know, going backflips at that they beat the Saints, you know, minus – Four of their offensive starters, uh, right. including their, you know, uh, and, and, but to me it was like I almost, I almost felt like it was harder to beat the Saints with Andy Dalton than it was Jameis Winston. But still, you know, four right. starters, five starters. Well, because I feel that that Jameis Winston will throw you two picks a game, whereas Andy Dalton probably won't. Uh, that going going into the game, so you know, you lose an you lose an opportunity to get uh, a couple of interceptions. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, it was, was not pretty, it, but, but they were losing these games last year. They yeah. were, they were involved in these, you know, the first two weeks of the season, they were basically, you know, behind the eight ball and could never get out from underneath that because they lost two games that were played kind of like this. And the, you know, the Vikings were the ones making, uh, 12 penalties in or 12 or 16 or whatever it was in Cincinnati. Whereas the, the saints helped the Vikings by, committing 10 penalties for over 100 yards this time. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't be, like, celebrating and buying Super Bowl tickets, but I'd also wouldn't be, like, really down on this team right now because they're finding ways to win. You are the ultimate flip-flopper. Earlier this week, you accused me of blowing the purple horn in defense of the Vikings, and now I'm too pessimistic? Come on, man. Give me a break. Well, yeah, I, what I said was that because it was like the you're saying the Packers were overrated. Yeah, you know, the the, uh, the Vikings were kind of in the same situation. You know, they weren't down to the third. The uh, Saints weren't down to the third string rookie, our fourth round draft pick, but quarterback. But uh, you know, Bill Belichick, I thought that was a a feather in the cap. Well, he ta he takes them down to the final tick in, in Green Bay and, with that quarterback just because. They can okay. run we, the ball. We, we, so. award, uh, we award uh, Bill a participation trophy, but if the Vikings were to lose against the Saints, we'd have just said, hey, they didn't have enough to do it, you know. So whatever. You can you can spin it any way you want. You I, but, yeah, to me, to me, 
the, the way that you look at this league is that it's you got to see what you get. You get so few opportunities to see what these teams are actually are, and whenever you know you see them, and then the next week you see something else, and this is like this is why whenever you make a when anyone makes a comment objectively on Kirk Cousins, if you're not dug in on Kirk as a as a super fan or Kirk as you hate him, you 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 want to kill him because he didn't get a vaccine. You, you 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 lose sight of the fact that there are times when he's really good and there are times when he's really bad, and uh, so to me it's like, you know, you you if if at the end of the year he, you can he, he can be really good twelve times and really bad five times that's pretty good. So uh, that's why I, I'm fascinated when people like get dug in and they and then they justify whenever he has a good one to say, oh well yeah he threw for four hundred yards and they won the game, but uh, he. You know, didn't get vaccinated. You know, just watch the game. You know, that's a great and, statement. I got to hang on to that one. People want to kill him because he didn't get a vaccine when, in fact, the vaccine is to prevent him from dying in the first place. It's kind of by wrong. But anyway, we're going to revisit yeah, this. That's, uh, yeah, let's not touch that one. Yeah, this is, this is, uh, we're going to revisit the Packers being overrated in the third segment. So people hang around for that. But in the meantime, you brought up Kirk Cousins in the offense, and we'll, you know, the Vikings. When they went 28-25 on five Greg Joseph field goals, who we just found out is the uh, special teams player of the week. Um, but, you know, they, they had a lot of drives that fizzled. They had a fake punt that fizzled. They had a, a, a another turnover, I think, that turned in, into a, a field goal. You know, they scored the field goals great, but – you got to you, you you can put a team away and without missing five you know missing five stars quarterback wide receiver running back a guard and a safety and you can put teams away uh uh by scoring those touchdowns and the Vikings and Kirk Cousins didn't do it some of it was on Kirk great opening drive but after that and you you sent me a note you said the game kind of turned when he threw that interception early in the or in the second quarter i think it was and oh i, I think absolutely the game changed it took him a while and they, they kind of were wobbling for quite a bit after that because, you know, um, the Saints went uh, three and out. or The Vikings went down. Uh, the Vikings got Justin Jefferson involved the first play, you know, a great great call to get him going. Um, you know, nobody's going to be able to cover him or double him on that situation. He gets 10 yards. That's, that's outstanding. Uh, they go down and they score. You know, then the Saints are, you know, they're, they're looking like a team that's missing four offensive starters and their backup quarterback is in. Uh, and they go three and out back to back series, and then Kirk, then the Vikings get the ball, and Kirk hands them one. I, I still think Kirk thought that Irv Smith was was going to be an outcut yeah. a little better, a little more. So you know, Kirk is such an accurate quarterback. I'm I'm thinking that that's just a miscommunication between the two of them. Uh, but he you know he doesn't see that safety, and that's a you know, veteran savvy safety that picked him off, changed the game. I think and. Uh, then they then they did some things that were uncare even though they only had five penalties one of them is a is a uh, delay of game first and goal at the four and they don't recover and they kick a field goal and then you know what happens at the end of the second quarter going in they get the ball uh, on a turnover at the 20 yard line and it's like you got three timeouts why aren't you taking a timeout um, and then they settle for a field goal so they were 205 in the red zone that kept the Saints in the game. Um, you know, so you're right. I mean, they should, you know, you should put them away. But there's so many times in this league where you could say they should put them away, then they yeah. lose the game. Well, at least they, they won the game. Especially the Vikings. That's that's what that has been their 
mo in the past is to well, it got it got Zimmer fired. Yeah, yeah, it got, exactly. It got, this games like this got Zimmer fired uh, right. last year. So let let teams hang around and then they they get fired up and they get the momentum and they get the energy and and, and they go in and, and score a winning drive. And how many times have we seen it? So. You know, I'm not. I'm not unhappy. It's three and one. I. I. It's nice going into a game with in Chicago and then uh, Miami, maybe without their starting quarterback, and then the bye. That would, you know, if they could pick up those two, that would be nice. But um, you still want to see things start clicking. And and you know, in the past few weeks on offense and defense, I think we've. Uh, I mean, maybe me and other Vikings fans, you you make an excuse that they're a new regime, a new offense, a new coordinators, a new coaches that, that they're still working out the kinks. Well, uh, you want, you, you want to see some, some, uh, improvement there. And I'll, and I'll tell you old, uh, Kevin O'Connell might've got roasted if they lose that one, you know, with his going over there late, you know, uh, and then, uh, and, and now just, if they lose the next one, because they don't, they don't take their buy after the, after the London game. So, but so far he's, he's lucking out with those decisions, but boy, it was, it was close where he almost didn't. But anyway, that ain't a question. That's just me, you know, ranting, but uh, I, I did want to ask you about the running game. Uh, it's just uh, Morton. There's nothing going on there. You know, uh, in the last two games, the opening uh, game against the Packers, uh, they, I think they ran the ball well. And they haven't really done great since eh, Cook had another decent game before he got uh, uh, hurt uh, in in the third uh, third game, one of those games. Anyway, just nothing happening. Cook doesn't seem to have the pop. The offensive line is not opening the holes. I'm not sure. What do you, what do you see going on with Cook in the running game, and uh, what can we hope going forward? Well, it's it's very inconsistent. I mean, there was one where he shot through a hole and got tripped up. I mean. It, if he doesn't get, you know, if someone doesn't doesn't shoot, you know, do a shoestring tackle on that, he's gone. I mean, he was yeah. he hit he hit that hole as fast. So that's, you know, Dalvin Cook coming off. Of, I, I didn't think that they that he would play. You know, I'm thinking, you know, shoulder. He did, but he just puts a harness on. So you know, hats off to him. Uh, but he the way he hit that hole on that what uh, seven yard run or whatever it was, yeah. told tells me that you know that that he can do it. I you know when I look at it, I'm not I'm not a scheme expert, and I don't profess to know. Uh, one of the few reporters left that will tell you that they couldn't be an offensive coordinator or, or you know, design every play in the league. You know, I'm, I know. Exactly. I see. You know, I seem to. I lean on the experts more than, you know, we used to talk to experts. And, well, today they just cut out the middleman. They become the expert. Um, but to me, it looks like a different. You know, the outside zone that they were running last year. Dalvin Cook, his biggest and best plays always seem to be where. The offensive line and everyone, they, they got everyone moving this way, and Dalvin would cut do that cutback. And you're seeing a lot more straight-ahead runs, I think, a lot more um, power, stuff like that. Maybe he's getting used to it, offensive line. Maybe that's not fitting them the right way. Um, I don't think it's time to, to be completely alarmed about their the running game. He's on my fantasy it, team. I'm alarmed. Yeah, so uh, – yeah, so whenever Justin Jefferson catches a bunch of passes and then they, well, Dalvin's got to get the ball. And then when Dalvin runs the ball, it's like, oh, you got to get Jefferson involved. Uh, it's so it's it's football and they feed off of each other. And Mark, speaking um, of that, though, what, don't, didn't we think that uh, Cook was going to be more involved with the passing game this year, the short passing game and getting him out in space and letting him go? Yeah. Is that maybe a product, at least in this last game, 
that he got hurt and maybe you don't want to throw him the ball and get him. I, I don't know what, what I, I guess I thought there'd be more receptions for him thus far. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what they, that was being sold a little bit. And yeah, who knows? Maybe, maybe they sold that as thinking we'd all run with it or, and then they, they sort of like uh, slap people's hands for suggesting that was the way it's going to be. Uh, and then you don't see anything different. So yeah, maybe they're, they're, they're leading us around by the nose trying to fool the other uh, everyone else. I don't know, but it doesn't look like a whole lot different to me. So there's only yeah. so many ways you can play football and, and we get caught up in all these different things. And, and then you have games like say Philadelphia, where you literally don't possess enough of the ball enough to do all these things. Uh, and then that just, you know, snowballs into the next week and uh, your numbers all go down because you're, you can't get first downs and, uh, but I, you know, to me, it's like it's it's inconsistent right now. I don't think that you know that Kevin O'Connell wants to run for 200 yards and like you're starting to see around the league a little more now. Teams are starting to run the ball more, uh, but they need to be balanced and uh, they just need a little more a little more juice there on these runs. I think if you're playing the Vikings or the Packers, running is a good option because neither one of them can stop. We'll talk about the defense later. What did you? Uh, you know, I thought the offensive line probably had one of their uh, uh, lesser games of the season so far. They just, you know, they've been they've been good. They've been good to very good at times. I thought um, so far, relative to where they've been in the past. But I I just thought they struggled a little bit. And 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 Brian O'Neill didn't have a great game. He had a couple false starts, and I think he was maybe trying to. Uh, I, I guess he was, was he blocking Cam Jordan from at times and he was trying to, he, he gave up a sack there once, I think as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't his, his best game. I mean, he's, uh, he's still an outstanding player. Yeah. I, I went in watching, you know, I was going to watch for one of my little items, you know, Ed Ingram, you know, watch him, you know, try to keep an eye on him almost every snap. And uh, there was a, there was a stunt that they did when the linebacker came up the middle that fooled him. You know, he went out when he should have, you know, protected the inside, I think. Um, I don't know what pro football focus rated all these guys. I just know when I watched it, it again, it was inconsistent. They're on the touchdown uh, screen. I know that Ed Ingram peeled off and, and got a, you know, a quick edge rusher helped uh, O'Neal on that. Mm-hmm. There was one where, and then there was also on a sack where that I think it should have gone to Bradbury. Uh, Ingram starts out helping Bradbury, then he turns out to, to do the same thing he did on the touchdown, and that guy overwhelms Bradbury. So maybe he's supposed to stay in there uh, and block. But uh, and also the long, the, the longest play of the game, the forty-one yard completion to uh, to yeah. Jefferson is. You know, I think uh, Ingram probably got a hold, got away with a hold, but he, you know, he's the one that secured, and Kirk was able to step up and, and make that pass. So I think it. They played well enough to win. Whether or not that field goal had gone in at the end and they would have lost in overtime, I feel like the offensive line played well enough to win. There was no, like, you know, disastrous, oh, my God, the offensive line is terrible, which we are all very familiar with. This is more of like, hey, you know, just need to be more consistent as opposed to, my God, we don't have a a right guard. You know, the tackles are terrible. Things like that that we've become accustomed to. Funny you should mention that uh, he got might have got away with a hold. That uh, Dustin Baker from our 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 network here uh, came up with the stat that the Vikings are the only offensive line this season to not have been called for holding. 
um, which is is rare. You know, it's almost Packer like, you know, to, to, to go that many games without, you know, a holding call. So uh, I thought that's that's interesting. That that's got to be a sign of better play overall, wouldn't you say? I, I think it's a sign of, of especially that Ingram is is ready for the NFL. And I didn't think he was. I you know, I had so far completely opposite. I know it's a big shock, but uh, Lewis seen, I figured would start from day one. I figured uh, uh, Booth would be a starter. Well, injuries, you know, knocked them out. Now scenes out for the year. Uh, but I thought Ingram would be the guy that, you know, would not overtake um, the guy that uh, I said was his job to lose. He lost it and I'm forgetting his name. So that's Jesse Davis. Good, yeah. Good riddance to him. So um, I feel what were we talking about? But uh, you know, to me, it's, uh, what well, are we talking about, Joe? Their, <laughs> I would say it's a good sign of their play. Oh, holding. Oh, holding, yeah. I'm saying that, 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 uh, indicates that this guy's ready because by this time last year, uh, Udo was, uh, you know, he's on his way to a league leading 16 penalties. I don't know how many right, of those were holding, right. but a vast majority of them were holding calls. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, and overall the penalties have been, you know, I think they had 11 penalties through three games total. And last year in that Cincinnati game, they had 12. And they had they had a penalty before the, the season started, a false start with the clock showing 15 in the first quarter of the first game of the year. And then they had a uh, – it was C.J. Hamm, and he had like another false start like a play later. And they, they, by the time the, the game was like two minutes old, they had had four penalties. So uh, much cleaner – a much, much cleaner team right now as far as uh, execution. Mark- is that is that cannot be attributed to coaching and a new regime? Because I know Zimmer would say every week we got to clean that up, and he would get frustrated as hell with all those penalties that the Vikings were having, and they were legion. I mean, you're just mentioning some of it, but uh, is there something different going on? I mean, it may be a better offensive line coach, maybe a better sense overall, but to be that little penalized is is quite rare for this squad. Yeah, I mean, I would. Uh... <clears throat> I would say that definitely coaching is involved in that because you know, the technique will, will tell you, uh, you know, whether a guy is reaching. Also, you get a better player. I think Ingram's a better player than yeah. Udo. So uh, even at this point. Uh, so, you, yeah, coaching's definitely involved in that. Uh, and, you know, so far we've it's – uh, We've got to start getting on uh, Brian O'Neill to clean it up. Two of false starts for crying all out. He's getting all penalties on that offense. Just kidding. Just yeah. kidding. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the receivers in the game. JJ had a good game. He busted out after two two probably frustrating for him games where he he didn't get the ball a lot. And uh, uh, he is was was that um, scheme there or or uh, personnel that the Saints didn't have good enough to cover? Because I know you know the other teams kind of locked Jefferson down with some double coverage and and really kind of made sure they knew where he was going, but he. He got a lot of one-on-one opportunities, and Kirk made the most of them for, like, I think he had 147 yards, 10 receptions, and a touchdown, rushing touchdown anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, to me it was, uh, you know, like we don't know what the Packers did. We, we were still trying to figure yeah. out what the Packers did with him. Packers didn't do anything with him. But then, the, you know, the, the Eagles had a guy that they could put on him that was a good matchup for them. Uh, Darius Slay, you know, hats off. He – he was a better player. Uh, the next week, the Lions, you know, did some double covering and shading his way and everything. And well, you know, the Saints felt that they could have Lattimore kind of play him right. sort of like Slay, like Slay did. Well, you know, Jefferson wins this one. So, you know, 
again, when we get, we start talking about schemes and uh, X's and O's and we're all like, why don't they do this? Or why they do, well, you know, there's still human beings involved in this. And Justin Jefferson is going to beat human beings that he's playing against, but there's going to be times where they, uh, there's a better player or a, a player that's capable of covering him or a scheme that allows the personnel to do, to do uh, double him and stuff like that. Uh, but at the end, you know, you got to, they got a player that is going to win most of his battles because he's just an outstanding player. It was bizarre world for the Vikings offense because you had Alexander Madison getting a passing or reception touchdown and Justin Jefferson with a rushing touchdown. <laughs> I love the call to Jefferson. I mean, could that have been any more open to where he walked in? I don't know that I've seen anybody walk that far that easily. Well, yeah, they didn't even have they didn't even have to block the end on that side. Mm. I mean, it was. Uh, yeah, so whatever they saw, and uh, you know, again, it's it's Jefferson. He said he's a smooth, fast, you know, guy that, you know, it's an individual thing, but it's also that's a great call at the right time, right? Well, it, because they, you know, they completely fooled. Uh, and there was uh, last week there was a play also similar on the goal line where the Vikings were uh, there was a play action pass uh, touchdown. Uh, to the tight end from Detroit, where if you look at the tape on that, you know, the Vikings, you know, there's four guys going four different ways because they don't know what's going on. Yeah. Uh, so it happens, uh, but that was a good call at the, at a good time. One one call I didn't like, more so because of the execution and, and the missed opportunity by Kirk and Jefferson, was the, the first down throw, First, I think it was third, third or fourth and goal or one, and they threw to Munt uh running to the sidelines he was open but the ball went right through his hands and jefferson was just standing back in the in the back of the end zone i believe it could have uh or maybe it was one of the other receivers but i, I just thought a kirk you know you take a look up you had plenty of time b i'm not sure uh month is the guy you want to throw to in that situation i think it was four, was that fourth and one call that uh, that was third that was third and one and then they kicked the field goal after that. yeah yeah and you know, that's a, that's where they got questioned for not why don't you go for you know fourth why don't you go for right. on fourth down it's a tie game uh, I don't have a problem with that because you know you did want to get points at the end of the half and you uh, the Saints are getting the ball coming out you know I think I feel like we've we've entered a phase where if a guy doesn't go for every fourth down he's conservative you know there yeah. are certain situations that call for. I think, you know, okay, let's get the points. Let's go into halftime. You know, uh, the Saints aren't – certainly didn't look like they were going to score a, a bunch of points. It's not like you're playing uh, Peyton Manning where you're like, oh, my God, if we don't score a touchdown here, you know, Peyton's going to come out and they're going to score four touchdowns open the second half. You know, this was kind of like, okay, we got – you know, we get we get ahead here and then we make a stop at the, at the start of the third quarter. I know that's like ancient, you know, antique thinking, but – I don't have a problem with that. I do have a problem with the fact that he didn't call timeouts to give himself more shots to try and score at the end of that. Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so we got to start scrutinizing KOC's uh, uh, game management, clock management. You're thinking we should. I, I mean, I think they hired like 14 people to handle it. So, I mean, it, uh, you know, they got the manager, they got this, they got that, they got all, all these all these things going on. So. Yeah, I, I'd be. I know. I know he's talked about it. Uh, sometimes you get lost in KOC speak. Uh, he's kind of takes you on a nice long journey. Does um, I said he's going to be the first 
head coach at halftime, whenever the, the, the reporter's interviewing him, the reporter will say, sorry, coach, I got to go. Because uh, cause he likes to – he does like to expand, uh, expound on his uh, his answer. He does, and it's, he's got such a mellifluous voice, and it's soothing and calming. You know, it's 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 he just probably lulls all you guys to sleep, right? You know, so. that's a great that's a great question, Joe. The, uh, well, I, I'm 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 going to uh, take a break now. And fire off an email to to uh, Kevin O'Connell and say what's up with the timeouts at the end of the first half. We got to get on him. Uh, tell, tell me why why aren't you perfect? I mean, why aren't you perfect? I'm not sure I will have time to read the answer because it might be a little lengthy, but that's okay. Uh, with that, we'll take a break. We'll be right back with more with Mark Craig from the Star Tribune on the Vikings Territory Breakdown, so come on back. All right, welcome back, folks, to Vikings Territory Breakdown with Mark Craig from the Star Tribune. Mark, uh, defense was certainly a part of this game as well. Uh they, in my estimation, still are not not where we want them to be, or where they they're needed to be. They, you know, Vikings uh, should have dominated a group that was missing its starting quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and guard, as we've already pointed out. Uh, but the defense was gashed by the run again, and uh, I'm just, you know, I, I think they got to fix. I think they signed somebody this week, uh, a defensive tackle, I believe off of the practice squad of a team. I saw that yesterday. I'm sorry. I don't have that with me today. Yeah. A big nose guard, a big, big nose tackle. Yeah. But, um, yes. So what do you, what do you see in there from, from the Vikes? Well, I mean, that defensive line was never, you know, you know, one of the things going into the season you were like questioning was, you know, do they have enough on the defensive line? And then Armand Watts gets cut and it was like, wow, you know, that's a thin spot. And then you get rid of a guy that is a pretty, you know, it wasn't a great player, but it was a good player last year. Um, but yeah, they, they're, there are, you know, Latavius Murray looked like he was 25 years old. And I think Latavius just got signed by De Denver had a horrible uh, time yeah. running the ball, uh, got a guy hurt. And now, uh, you know, he puts that on tape and now, you know, Latavius is on in, uh, in Denver. Uh, so yeah, that uh, the defense is, would be the one that, you know, I, they're getting better. I mean, uh, like uh, actually Cam Dantzler had some nice plays. And uh, yeah. at the end of the game, he had a nice pass defense that, that really kind of helped save the game. Yep. Um, so you're seeing guys start to, to be closer, at least closer to their receivers. Uh, I thought Sullivan made a nice stop on a, a third and short where he, he spots, the, he, he recognizes the play, comes up and drops Landry for a, you know, one yard gain. Um but yeah, when, there were times where you're like, "Whoa!" You know, uh, there was one 10 yard run by Murray where uh, Daniel standing straight up and just gets piled. You know, you know, here's this Superman guy, strongest guy in the league, maybe, and he just gets he's it, it's leverage and the and the tight end or the tackle just shove him inside and Murray's got wide open for 10 yards. Uh, so yeah, there's there's some issues with the run defense. Uh, if they don't clean it up, I mean, I don't think the Bears have enough firepower, whether they run or not. But you know, they got to be able to stop the run better than what what they've done. You mentioned the uh, the 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 secondary and the coverage, and you you said it positively. I, I just wanted to uh, uh, read something that I saw on ESPN's power rankings from Kevin Seifert. You know, read it something people could find and read it on their own, but it will fill time here, so I'm going to do it. Uh, 
the Vikings opponents are catching 75% of their targeted passes, the second highest rate in the NFL. Of the 97 pass completions against them, 69 have come by receivers who have at least three yards of separation at the time of the throw, the fourth highest total in the league. Mark, just still down on this coverage scheme or whatever is going on with the Vikings. And now, granted, you're right. They they looked a little better and made some plays, but I think it's uh, – Few and far between. I'd love to see this new scheme locked down and, and be a little bit more dominant than they have been. Well, yeah. I mean, those averages are going to be bad for a long time because you only play once a week. And uh, if you're getting a little bit better, you, how horrendous it was the first three weeks it, yeah. is going to like skew the numbers for quite a while, I would think. Uh, but yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me at all. In fact, I'd be I'm wondering the three teams that were worse than them when it comes to like. <laughs> the amount of space that the receivers are given. I tried, I'd love to see those tapes because right. uh, what we've seen has been just horrendous. And then you don't have a pass rush and you don't have coverage. And right. Um, it's two sacks and only three quarterback hits, Mark. I mean, there's no pressure there. Well, there was a, there was a, a, a key, you know, there a key pressure at the end where they finally you know, decided to send five, they overload the uh, front side with uh, Daniil Hunter and Harrison Smith. You know, Harrison Smith was a uh, you know quite a pass rusher, uh, and was able to to be a you know a weapon in that regard as well. You don't see a lot of that now um, because that's just the way this is the way they play. But on that in that situation, he comes through on a third down at the end of the game with two minutes left, and uh, and Dalton has to basically throw it away. You know, now uh, I was like, uh, you know, basically say, "Oh, finally!" You know, because you're watching it. You, you watch last golf last week. You know, given all the time in the world to throw, and then you're like, "Man, this is you've got to go after them right now." And this time they did, and it was uh, it showed a big difference. Yeah, Harrison Smith would probably like to be do more do more rushing in the quarterback than maybe sitting back in in double coverage and getting uh, kicked in the package or he should probably wear a cup, I guess, if he, if they're not going to let him rush. But anyway, uh, you mentioned Daniil Hunter, I, you know, for me, and I know this is just, you know, pretty superficial statement, but in, in a lot of ways it's true. Daniil is virtually not existent in, in some of his countries compared to him in the past. Is he not the right fit for a three, four? Is, is he not, is, is, is his skill set not conducive to being a more of a stand-up guy than you know, an end down on the line that can get past because he he was he was pretty dominant as a as a rushing uh, yeah. defensive end. I mean, there's two things. One, one is you know he's it's only four games into playing this. Well, we got to uh, talk about it. <laughs> yeah, and the other the other thing is he's only played six before this year. He only games in two years. That's so I, I'm I'm willing to give Daniel Hunter a little more uh, uh, rope to. Uh, see what he can do with this situation. But yeah, you're right. There's times where like I, like that run I mentioned, it's just, he doesn't look comfortable and he, he gets right. knocked inside. And for Daniel Hunter to get, you know, pile driven inside on a play, that's just like, wow, that, 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 that that's unusual to see. Um, so I think he's still feeling his way with this. Uh, I will say that uh, Zadarius Smith's sack, you know, he doesn't get that sack if Daniel Hunter isn't right there to keep Dalton in the pocket. Yeah. Dalton is like Dalton is looking to run to his right. Well, Daniel's right there, so he turned back and Smith sacked him. So a lot of times these numbers, um, you're looking at it like, okay, who had the sack? Who had the pressure? Who had the hit? 
Um, you know, I, I would think maybe Daniil gets a, a pressure for that or, or part of that. Uh, he didn't get he didn't get half the sack, but right. you know, there's a lot a lot of times where you look at numbers like Pro Football Focus and uh, uh, the fourth and one stop against the Lions, where Cam Bynum comes shoots in and uh, alters that uh, that run. Does he get a missed tackle? That's a great play, you know, and it, it helped. Uh, so I don't know. I, I'm I'm like Zimmer. I'm, I'm too old school for some of these numbers. But well, let, uh, let me ask you this question, and this, this relates to it. And, and I'm going to give you the opportunity to to be a Belichick Bobo. But I mean, it was something that was said about him in that game and how well they played against uh, the Packers is Belichick doesn't necessarily take his players and force them into his scheme. He coaches the players he's got to play a good game. Is that our concern? Uh, you know, and he, he kind of makes the, the he, he finds the players he's got and, and forms the schemer on him. I'm trying to say, is is that a concern for Daniil? Um, it's another way of asking the same question, but um, I give him more time. Sure. But I don't know. I, I don't know if, if yeah, and, and will these guys, will Ed Donatel and, and his whole crew adjust if that's the case? You know, Zadarius Smith is certainly a great edge rusher, but maybe Hunter's not. I don't know. Oh, and Daniels can be great at, at, at yeah, Daniel is a great edge rusher. I mean, it's just, um, yeah, you know, I'm just, I guess I'm sitting here, well, I got to see more. Um, I, I, we know what Daniel is, we know. The, the athlete he is, how strong he is. We know all these. I'm looking at ways now. How can the coaching staff help him? Like you're saying, I, I don't see him switching to back to a four three Zimmer, right. you know, double A gap. You know, going back to the, that defense. No, but is there, there are ways that you know? Say say the next time you you put Harrison over there, you do something where Daniel is the guy that comes free. You know, the fact that Daniel was over there with Harrison has a lot to do with the fact that that uh, Harrison gets through cleanly and makes that play. You know, that, that to me is a combination, but uh, you don't see a lot of that with the coaching. So it's up to the coaches to, to get a little bit more out of what, you know, the situations, the third downs um, to, to put Daniel in better spots. Sure. I'm hoping that, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're going to meet up with a, a non, not very good uh, offensive juggernaut in Chicago this or against Chicago this week, and maybe they can start start dominating some. Now, you know, I don't think the Saints are that great of a team. I think they're a little bit maybe better than Chicago, but I'd really like you know to see this scheme excel. And uh, I think when you get to a point where somebody sees what they're doing and, and allowing the separation uh, in the secondary and not getting any pressure, they're going to exploit it. I mean, you, you bring Rogers in here a second time in the near future and he's going to exploit it somehow, no matter who's catching his passes, but that's just wishful thinking for me. Any, any yeah. comment there? I mean, it, it's, it's sure starting to look like the best time to, to uh, there's probably 31 team or whoever's uh, on the Packers schedule. So there's probably, there's a uh, 13 teams or whatever. They're going to say, please, please, please schedule me against the Packers in week one <laughs> because they have been horrendous in week one. And then yeah. they turn it around. Now, they weren't great against the Patriots. Um, they're not as good as they were last year so far. But, you know, I would, the Vikings, I thought it was going to be the opposite. I thought it would be like, okay, you know, the, the Vikings are the one that's at disadvantage playing the Packers first. 
but the, but the, the combination, the the combination, of, combination of the Packers, um, you know, being in at, at U.S. Bank and the fact that they can't play in week one now uh, was an advantage that the Vikings certainly took advantage of. Okay. Uh, we beat that uh, dead, dead defensive horse for enough. Uh, I'll probably have to – hopefully don't have to beat it next week. But uh, uh, question to you let, – let's talk about special teams since they were the heroes of the game. Uh, Greg Joseph was certainly that. And he was rewarded with special teams player of the week. First five-game – five-kick game in his career – yet he missed that extra point. To, <clears throat> and as I put in the notes, I said somewhere Z- Mike Zimmer has uh, cracked another bottle of red wine after that missed extra point because it allowed uh, uh, the Saints to stick around and, and do some things and still be within a one-score a one game if they're kicking a field goal. So that made it nuts for us. Zimmer smiles. But now the last laugh goes to Jake Greg Joseph, who had five uh, field goals. The winner, game winner, is a 47 yard, and the only two he's missed this year of eight out of ten is uh, they're both 56 yarders. So uh, he's having a good season. Uh, the kickers, uh, the kickers doing well. And the special teams himself are really good this year. So have at it. Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, you know, uh, I said Matt Matt Daniels deserved a game ball. I mean, it was uh, the fake punt was was fantastic. Uh, Chris Boyd's play, uh, another big play on special teams for Chris Boyd. You know, he yep. has the strip on the punt return and then, and then the recovery and they get only get six points out of those two big plays. It's, but you, you win by three and you got two, six points basically off of your special teams is pretty good. Um, then, you know, uh, Nwangu, uh, had his best return. Yeah. Rieger had his best punt return. You know, Joseph makes the five field goals, um, you know, this is a this is a really well. I mean, they got you got some young, talented players uh, that they're getting the most out of, and, and and their ability to to drop the ball at the to have a touchback when they want, or yep. kick it to the one and tackle someone inside the twenty, or certainly the twenty five is is a big weapon. And uh, you know, Matt Daniels is there. A, there's a spark to him that uh, you know I, I'm impressed. His first year coordinator, young guy, he's like thirty two or thirty three. Um, you know, he, he's doing a tremendous job. Uh, what about that fake punt? I mean, I loved the design of the plane. After I cycle, how come that doesn't happen more often? Is that because I think was Ryan Wright used to be a, a quarterback when he played in, in high school? Yeah. Yeah. In high school, he was a quarterback. I guess that's a while ago, but still, yeah. I mean, now that's in their arsenal and, and I think Vikings fans are probably going to say, let's do that some more, you know? Why everybody else goes, well, oh, yeah. goes on fourth down and runs it into the uh, Stonewall line. We uh, Vikings can fake a punt. And, man, that was a great play. Design. He just went down there like he was the gunner and then turned outside. And it wasn't the greatest pass. He had to make a nice catch. Naylor did a uh, uh, shoestring at the at the, at the the turf, but he made the play. And and then the Vikings kicked a field goal. <sighs> anyway. But the, the way it was set up, the way that they they, they they tried it earlier, in the, or they, they did the motion earlier in the game to see what their reaction would be, and they um, they noticed really? that the guy that the guy that the guy would be blocked. You know, uh, uh, Naylor was the gunner, so he, he comes in motion uh, and then runs straight down the first time, and then the second time they brought it in, he starts that same move. Well, that the guy is supposed to block him doesn't, you know, thinks he's going to go straight, so he kind of turns or whatever, and then he, he branches out wide open now that's a rookie punter throwing to a rookie receiver who's never caught a ball yeah you know this we have to like test our you can never go back and change uh 
history or, or but what would our reaction be if he if he had one hopped it to the guy <laughs> wide open and they and they go and they score a touchdown the other way now i you know i like to think that you know we kind of look at it okay that was a great call that they set up the guys wide open um, they've worked it in practice a million times that's a good call but you got to have the faith okay if if he doesn't make the the pass are you still willing to say that was a good call it just wasn't executed um, but yeah, they did. They did. They did both on in this case. That, that's interesting that they they sent it up. They kind of uh, did something similar just to see how the 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 Saints would react. And they said, "Okay, we can do this." So then he got the special teams guy. Went, God, I hope we get stopped on fourth down so we can <laughs> do that. Yeah. I'm kidding. I'm sure there's a little bit of butterflies in that the stomach. Uh, oh, of Ryan, right. I was. He's sitting there wide open. I go, "Oh my God, you got to catch that." That was. Uh, that was. Uh, that was wonderful to see. Uh, there's nothing better in the in uh, the NFL than watching a fake punt, successful fake punt for the team you're cheering for. It's just, it's just like, no, we're not done. We get another chance, and then we kick a field goal. Anyway, okay. <laughs> um, see if I got anything else. What about their kicking game? A 60 yarder, and then almost a 61 yarder to send it to overtime with the the doink dink thud. Oh my goodness! How was that? Yeah, I mean, if uh, you know the NFL is, you know, there's a reason that they have, you know, they own, they own like well more than just Sundays. But you know, if if you put that in a movie, you know, we'd all be rolling our eyes and going, yeah, okay, it hit, hits this one, then it hits that one, then it's suspended in the air, um, you know, literally an inch from winning or lo- or well, it wasn't a win, but. Tying or, or losing. Potential, um, absolutely. So, yeah, that's the NFL's just got a, uh, they, they're knocking it out, knocking it out of the park with these close games. Uh, once again, through four weeks, they've set a record for most one score games through four weeks, most three point games decided by three or less uh, through four weeks. So, they just find a way to ruin survivor pool, survivor pools and, um, and keep us all watching till the very end. And then, you know what? I mean, that that this is how they, this is how the, this is a dream situation for them for London because everybody is getting ready for their games at one o'clock or noon. Yeah. And you got this teaser, this breakfast teaser, and now uh, you know I could see them wanting that every week. You know, I, I have a hard time believing a team play. They get players who'd want to live there, but if they could do this on a more consistent basis, you'd have. You know, in the morning, the afternoon, the late afternoon, and the night on Sundays. Uh, uh, you know, it, it was it, it was crazy to see. It's, I guess I, I want to ask you: Is, is this indication that uh, KOC is still in his honeymoon period, where he's the Vikings are winning these kinds of games when they would definitely lose them? And like last week was a, a nail biter, and then this one, these things are going in his favor. Uh, NFL is going to bite up, jump up, and bite him in the butt pretty quick, aren't they? Well, you know, I, I think no matter how it, it, no matter how it shakes out from week to week, as long as you're winning, I mean, right now they're, they are the number, you know, <laughs> the, at the quarter pole, I guess they are uh, the second, second seed in the NFC. You're, you know, uh, one of the best records in the league. Number seven in yep. ESPN's power rankings, baby. And uh, I kept it, I kept them at number nine. I said, you know, I, I'm not going to move you down because you win, but I'm not going to move you up by just, beating a team that uh, like, like you've been saying the whole time uh, that they should have uh, put away earlier. 
Uh, but yeah, they're they're a top ten team, sure. Well, for whatever that's worth in the NFL, they're a right. top ten. Uh, one more note about London. The Vikings are now three and zero in London. I, I saw something on Twitter earlier this week. The Vikings won the first game ever in London. I think when Bud Grant was coach. I want to say nineteen eighty three or four. I mean, it was Bud Grant and saying it. You know, we're undefeated. Oh. I think it was a preseason game. They sent him over there. They played in the preseason, but yes, yeah. yeah. And and I, I had forgotten that because. Uh, I said, I said, well, Vikings were over there when Grant was coaching. I was shocked, but he was he was crowing about it. But that's why they have such a following over. I think because they, you know, they won that first game, that whether it be a preseason or not, and they've won games over there. So I think the Vikings are the team to move to London, don't you think, Mark? Just kidding. Yeah. Well, you know, the stadium is how old now? Six years old. They need a new stadium, or, or we're moving to London. Yeah, Ziggy's going to build a new stadium over in. Uh, in, in the they finally the dragged the Packers over there. It's uh, the Packers have somehow managed to avoid giving up a home game. Uh, so yeah, that, the Packers on that that will probably be. Um, I mean, we go over there. Like two times I was over there. It's kind of like every NFL fan, and it's a hodgepodge of jerseys, and there, there's no real. Uh, they did, although last time they did become more of a Vikings as opposed to Browns. But I think the first game I saw was Steelers. And Vikings, and it probably was more Steelers. I'm think I'm guessing. I can't remember, but so it's a different crowd entirely. Vikings got a big break by not having to play at the Superdome. Uh, well, play know, the Saints down there. You mentioned the poor, precious Packers going to London for the first time, finally getting over there all these years later. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about that and a little bit more about the Packers in the next segment. So we'll take a break. Come on back to Vikings territory breakdown. Okay, welcome back to Vikings Territory Breakdown Podcast. Mark Craig, the Star Tribune. Mark, you mentioned this a little bit a little earlier in the show. Lewis Seen went down with a fra- fractured ankle and is actually probably still in London at this time, re- having received pre- pre-op surgery and then another surgery to repair it. He's done for the season, and it's just – he was on special teams and went down and, and his ankle foot went the wrong way, and it's tough to see because he's – has not gotten on the field yet in the defense where, you know, his number one draft pick for the Vikings. And uh, does this delay him, his development further? I know he was coming along and I know he, he did decent on special teams, but, it, and I, I, they all said the right things that, you know, he's works really hard and he wants to get better and it's going to happen. And now he's done for the year. And, and that that's tough for a, a, a young player that really does need to get on the field and get some reps and get, uh, accustomed and acclimated to this NFL. What what are your thoughts there on on what it, this oh, may mean for Lewis Seen? I mean, certainly it's a setback. I mean, it's uh, he was, you know, working his way to like I, I I thought that he'd pick it up quicker and he didn't. And uh, yeah. uh, certainly now he's got he's got the rehab and everything. But you know, uh, Chad Green there, he blew out his knee. Uh, it was like his second knee injury. He had had one at Iowa, I believe. Blew out his knee covering a kickoff in preseason. First missed play. The entire, yeah, missed the entire year. Came back and uh, you know, so he had a you know pretty good career too. And really played good. ten, played double digit years, ten years, ten eleven years. So you know, this guy can definitely, uh, you know, with the way that they, you know, the way that the, the medical people uh, fix these guys and get them ready and rehab them and everything. It's, it's amazing what they can do. 
Uh, and if he, he seems to be the kind of guy that would dedicate himself to, to coming, you know, some guys, not, not all guys can throw themselves into what it takes mm-hmm. to get back. And he certainly appears to have that in him. So um, he can come back and be a great starter next year. That's what Adrian Peterson should do. Uh, he should be some kind of guy who, who, who teaches young players to get injured, how to rehab and get back on the field. I, I, uh, he did that famously after an ACL tear and, and came back and led the league in rushing the following season. And I, I ran into a lot. MVP. What's that? He was MVP that year, 2,097 yards. Yeah. I ran into the locker room and I was having troubles with my knee and I'd ask him about if I should get a cut. He says, if you can't do what you, can, you want to do, get it, get it, get it operated on. So I took my advice from Adrian Peterson and went and got knee surgery. And here I am you, still beating you, you in golf. Did you lead the league in rushing the next year? Wow. No, but I beat you. So there's that. So anyway, um, I might have, maybe, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, the Vikings are missing their two top two picks on the defense. You know, you got Andrew Booth, who got the, the quad injury and hasn't been back for three games. Boy, I could sure like to see him out there getting some getting some time and some reps and experience. You know, it's that's you know, despite that, the Vikings are still, you know, they're three and one. That, that that's pretty decent, eh? I mean, I mean, but it, it's tough not having those guys out there, right? Yeah, I mean, Booth is it's uh I don't know. You know, if he's going to be back, when he's going to be back, or whatever. But it's certainly a red flag when a guy is take a guy falls from the first to the second round. You think that they uh, are getting a player at a kind of a second round deal, and then it, and the only knock against him really is all the injuries he's had and the fact that he hasn't been healthy. I think see, even he said he hasn't been healthy since he was in high school. Uh, and to see him, you know, things linger, linger, linger. You know, now you're four or five games into the season and he's not on the field. So yeah, that's a red flag. Uh, there's certain plenty of time left for him to come back and be an effective starter. But we get to the bye, we get to the mid middle of the season. At, at some point, it becomes a wash if he doesn't get on the field because right. then you're, you know, who knows where they'll be down the stretch, and he, you know, can they afford to put him in if he hasn't played? So he needs to get back on the field pretty quick for yeah, that. Yeah. To... I agree with you. Um, <clears throat> we're going to ask Mark our NFL insider put his NFL insider hat on in this next segment and i've got my mankato brewery hat on just so everybody knows that you know, drink mankato beers it's great stuff um you're Mark, getting paid uh, they're paying you under the table <laughs> i know it there uh there was uh there's only one le- uh, undefeated team left the miami dolphins got beat and the eagles uh keep winning are, uh what do you think of those two squads are they is are the dolphins for real and can I mean, i'm sorry are the eagles for real as are they that good? And are the Dolphins, can they survive the next couple of weeks, a few weeks without Tua? Well, you know, I sort of hate the, the trendy thing. <clears throat> Everyone jumps on a bandwagon against the, uh, when a coach makes a decision. But in this case, the, the Dolphins, you know, looking at the film of, of two weeks ago, whenever uh, Tua gets up and he's wobbling and he falls down, he's clearly affected. There's a head injury there. You, can just, you just know there is. And they take him out of the game. It's a close game. So they don't put him in the, in the concussion protocol. They say it's a back injury. And then he ends up not only that, but then he comes back four days later and starts the next week. God, um, that's a and, now, now, and then he gets you know, a wicked, you know, uh, uh, spun to the ground and slammed on his head. Um, 
and who knows how long he'll be out now. So it's like right. that, that, that stands up, could stand up the whole year as the worst coaching decision, you know, to put a guy back out there four days later right. uh, on a short week. And obviously now the NFLPA is investigating and everything. I mean, I, I, you wonder if they're ever going to get this concussion stuff right because ultimately it seems like it's, it, you know, there's certain situations that, that scream for it and it gets ignored and then they, they make a bunch of rules and everything. And all that ends up doing is um, correcting the small mistakes and making the small problems worse, whereas these big ones that need to be taken care of, you know, aren't. Um, the Dolphins, obviously, you know, Teddy Bridgewater is a really good backup to have. Um, they might be able to hang on for a while. Teddy could probably win a couple games. He certainly – he did that for Drew Brees down in New Orleans, won five or six in a row. Uh, the Eagles, you know, I, I wasn't – I was not a Jalen Hurts believer. I was not an Eagles believer. But, man, they got a lot of weapons, and they play really good defense. Right. Um, they got five takeaways from the Jaguars and only beat them by eight, which was really strange. But um, I think they're legit. I'm not saying that they're going to they're gonna win every game, but – they're certainly a force in, in the NFC. And now the NFC, I mean, you look at the at the three um, wild cards in the NFC, uh, five through seven, they're all three and one. Packers are the seventh team in the NFC, and they're three and one. So the NFC, we, we all assumed that the AFC was going to be the, the power conference, and they're still really good. Uh, but the NFC, uh, especially the NFC East, is showing some signs of, hey, you know, we, we, we can play too. Yeah, they're they're overrated, just like the Packers. Uh, the Chief blasts the Bucks, and uh, a little bit of uh, uh, anger in that one for the Chiefs. I think they they were still thinking how when they got beaten the Super when they, the Bucks beat them in the Super Bowl, right? And it was kind of the first right. time since then. Um, you know, I, I hate to mention off field things uh, here. But, uh, you know, I wonder if uh, it's tough for Brady this year, you know, and as his wife filed papers for divorce this week, and he's obviously going through some things. I wonder if that affects him. I don't know if his play has been down or not, but, man, that's got to be tough. I, I kind of feel for that guy, but, you know, it's a tough situation there. But what what do you think of that? Those are two of the better teams out there that were slated to be uh, uh, in the postseason and maybe beyond. So uh, Chiefs won. Well, you know, I, I... – I'm, I'm going to go old guy and on Sunday and write about the, how the, the running, you know, the running game is not dead in the NFL. And that's a good example. They are the chiefs the week before go and they, they blow my, one of my last uh, survivor pool picks and lose at Indianapolis. Okay. So then now they come back, they have to go to Tampa Bay and what do they do? They don't, they don't turn more to Patrick Mahomes. They decide to run the ball and they run for 190 yards or whatever it is. You know, uh, Brady, you know, personally, Brady has the great numbers. He uh, 385 yards passing, 114 whatever uh, passer rating, but All they can't run the ball. <clears throat> but they cannot run the ball, and they lose by 10. So yeah. you're seeing teams. I don't know if it's the fact that everybody sits back and to, to avoid the big plays, uh, With but now you're, you know, the NFL is kind of a, you know, it, it – it adjusts and then it changes and it adjusts. And now, you know, you're going to see people you're seeing, I think more teams running the ball. The, the Falcons beat the Browns because they ran for 200 yards. They out Browns, the Browns. Um, so yeah, you're just seeing a lot of situations where, you know, if you can run the ball, you control the game. And if Brady has a big game and they can't function with the running game or, or stop the run, 
you know, they're going to lose. Yeah, it's crazy. You better have a good field goal kicker if that's if that's the way the league's going. Um, I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. The Packers are overrated. They're supposed to have this great defense, and they're getting gashed like the Vikings. I mean, I, I tweeted at one point. I said, that looks like the Vikings defense out there, the way they were getting run over. Um, and uh, Rob Demosky said for ESPN, he goes, that Packers are got gashed by the run again. So it's happening there with uh, uh, frequency. Um, I, 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 you know, they're, they're still a good team. I'm not going to say they're not, but I think, you know, they're still struggling to find their, their passing. Uh, their running game has looked good. That's the best thing I've seen out of out of Green Bay this year. You know, they 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 were tough against the Vikings, and they've been you know Aaron Aaron Jones and and uh, Dylan have been beating teams up at the line, and they're getting their their offensive line healthy. So maybe that will improve, but uh, I, I just don't think the defense is as good as it was t- uh, predicted to be, and and there there's some issues there. Well, it's similar schemes. I mean, so yeah, in some ways they look they look like the Vikings because they play a similar, basically the same scheme. Uh, you know, the Vikings caught a break because not only did the Pack look bad defensively in Week One, the Packers also didn't do what their identity. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is their face, but their identity, what makes him go, I think, is uh, you know they they can run the ball, they can pound the ball with two with two guys. And they didn't do. They didn't. Uh, Aaron Jones didn't get very many touches against the Vikings, and that became a storyline in Green Bay. And then he, you know, they got him on track. So, uh, and also, you know, Rodgers. I think you're starting to see, you know, especially at the end of that game, or throughout the early part of the game, it was horrendous. I mean, they were his numbers were, were terrible, and he, and he wasn't going, going very well. But as the game wore on, you started to see him. You know, it's a matter of time before he makes connections with uh, the. The one rookie receiver that they had, not not the not Watson, but the the other guy. I mean, they threw a touchdown to him, and he, I, you can see something Lazard. developing with him. No, it's it's a, it's a rookie, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. So yeah, there's a uh, yeah something developing there. Lazard didn't play against the Vikings. I mean, I like their chances of recovering uh, Devonte Adams leaving more than Devonte Adams changing. Uh, the Raiders, you know, so, you know, Aaron Rodgers will find a connection with a receiver. They'll, they'll work that out. But, you know, on the, in saying that, are they, I think the Vikings are, have, a, have certainly had the talent uh, to, to hang with them. And, you know, they, the Packers aren't going to walk away with, right. with a, uh, with a division title this year. It's not going to happen. Do you like them for that? Do you like them for the division title and to the NFC representative in the Super Bowl still I'm putting you on the spot that's what I, that's what I picked they're three and one they haven't looked sort of like the Vikings you know hey yeah. you gotta fix you gotta fix x y and z and you're this is terrible and that's terrible but oh by the way you're three and one so it's it's a good thing to be uh this is this is with the coaching uh, you know dream for the you know to to, to uh place things to fix but but be winning while you're trying to fix it I'd like to see them suffer a huge amount of jet lag this weekend and, and, and puke on themselves against the Giants over in London town. But that may be just me. Well, uh, they, better, they, they better bring their run-stopping hats because uh, yeah. the Giants could, uh, could, 
the Giants are the best running team in the league right now. Exactly. That that's 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 a great point. That makes me even more giddy to get my tail out of bed to watch that game. So um on to the Bears. They struggled against those Giants that you just mentioned. And uh uh, what do you see from this team? Uh, I, I don't know that Fields is uh, Justin Fields is quite the scrambler that uh, uh, Jalen Hurts is, but he can do so. What do you see? Is 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 he um, ready to surprise the Vikings in what most people would call a trap game? Uh, what do you see for this team? Well, he, I mean, he's he's way behind uh, where Hurts is in the, in the mm-hmm. development of a of a quarterback. Uh, I, you know, I look at the Bears offense and I, I feel like I'm, you know, watching something from Friday night, you know, on a Friday night under the lights at a high school stadium. It, they're Ouch. just, uh, they're just, uh, I just don't think they would have the firepower to, to hang with the Vikings at, uh, in Minnesota where it's, I mean, they beat the 49ers uh, and granted the, it was a monsoon on both teams, but that was more conducive to the Bears winning, you know, something ugly. Uh, even though the 49ers are a very physical team, uh, I just don't think they got enough. But, you know, say if the Vikings give them any kind of hope early on and they don't uh, knock fields around a little bit, he gets rolling and he makes a couple, completes a few passes, then they're on their heels. Uh, what, what scares me about this game, the only thing that scares me about this game is maybe the defense would play too soft and, and give them a little bit of life on offense. Uh, and they start running the ball, but I just don't think I don't think they have enough. They don't have the horses to hang with the Vikings, and so I, I picked the Vikings to win this. It's a huge. It, if the Vikings win, it's a huge deal for them. Four and one in the division, three they beat all three divisional opponents. So the the worst they could do from that point is split with them. Um, so it it would be it would be really good for it. But what do you think of the Vikings at the quarter pole of the season, as they call it? Uh, three and one with uh, bears on tap, uh, wounded dolphins, and then the and then the the bye week coming up after that. What well, you know, it's, it's looking pretty good right now. And I saw a stat yesterday of the remaining schedules, the top five easiest schedules in the league. Vikings are third. Yeah, I mean that's uh, it, when you look at those. It's it's always hard to judge those because of injuries and things yeah. happen and week to week in this league. But, you know, I, I think if I'm a Vikings fan, I, I would be happy because there are a lot of things that, you know, the defense, I, you know, concerned about the defense, concerned about, uh, um, you know, the running game a little bit, uh, you know, but the fact you're three and one, um, you know, you've, you've beaten the Packers. So yeah, that was a big, big milestone for the new coaching staff. They handled London. They, you know, they, uh, you know, granted, they should have gone over there and smoked them and come back and had the ticker tape parade. And but you know they they get through that stretch. Now it'll be interesting to see. Okay, the next turtle is okay. Nobody they decided not to have a bye week this week, which is always generally the case when a team plays over there. They come back and they rest. Mm-hmm. And um, but and I, I don't blame them. I, you know, this is too early to be having a bye right. week. So they've decided that. You know that this is how they're going to approach it. So they approached last week not only with with London in mind, but with the Bears in mind as well. So they get through this and they win that. That's you know that that to me is shows a lot for a coaching staff to be able to handle these different uh, a new coaching staff, new head coach that's never co had head coach before. That's that's impressive. So I while there's a lot of room for improvement, I would be happy if I was a. 
Well, they better watch it as they go into their bye. They better win that game because, you know, Danny Green always promoted his record going into and out of the bye. Like, you know, it was always a big deal with Danny. I just – whatever. Um, <laughs> let's let's uh, quickly hop into our prediction segment, which is brought to you by Mankato Beer because Mad Butcher is on the line for this. It's now in the fourth week, and we are tied. We're both uh, three and one as well, just like the Vikings. So – who do you like this week? And I think I know. I just said. Next question. No, I, no, I, I like the Vikings. You know, I have a strong Vikings feeling about this game. To, to me, to me, to me, it's like the Bears could show some life, uh, but I just cannot see them outplaying the Vikings for four quarters, uh, outscoring the Vikings. For, you know, they struggle. They struggle to score points. And, uh, you know, Especially on the road, and you I, can't I, see I, I, it. I like you can Yet that sounds so indecisive. I'm going to tell you, Vikings win this one. Come on, now. yeah. Well, I got them winning by. I think I think I just picked it in the paper, 31, 19, something like that. So Ooh, that's, um, that's less aggressive. Then I'll give you that. So we're setting this up for you know the seven and a half point favorites, and we're set for you know what happened. What happened to the Vikings? They lost to the Bears. <laughs> But, That's um, why we have to come back and break it down each week because they confound us. I mean, the lot, you know, they they are the most confounding team thus far this season. Kill the Packers, get killed by the Eagles, and then you know, uh, go to the end of the line with too bad. Well, not, the, the Lions are a pretty good team, but uh, you know, Saints yeah. are okay too. I mean, but they they should have won those games more handily. So they they're confounding. So I expect them to be a closer game again, just because. Well, I, I I'm telling you. When they when the Vikings went to Detroit last year and they were 0-10 and and the, the Lions were 0-10 and one, I stood on the on the rooftops and said they're going to lose this game. I remember telling everybody I picked them to lose the game, and and sure enough they lost the game. This time I feel uh, not that the, these these instincts are, are. I mean, if they were, I'd be making enough money. I wouldn't be talking to you right now. Wow. Uh, but but this one, the instinct is the Vikings. Yeah, I don't see any kind of letdown in them right now. I think they, they win this game and uh, they control the game. So that, that's going to be a big key. Looks looks like your dog just came in the door to check on and saying it's time for you to go take him for a walk. So uh, I think that's, that's all we got this week on uh, Vikings Territory Breakdown. Thanks, Mark, for your insight. Uh, thanks, Mike Waldem, behind the scenes for uh, – uh, um, producing us and sticking your, your nose in there real quick. And thanks to Joe, uh, Joe Johnson for always, for setting this thing all up. And thanks to all the folks for tuning in and listening. We really appreciate it until next week after the bears game. Skull. Skull.